You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Andy Barris. Good morning. Uh, my name is Andy. If I haven't met you before, it's wonderful to be with here, uh, here with you this morning, even if it is a bit early for a Sunday at 6 service attender like myself. Uh, props to those Sunday at 6 people who are here. Well done getting out of bed. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so, it's New Year's Eve. Happy New Year. Uh, it's, it's at the end of 2017. It's the end of another year. I'm pretty sure I just started getting used to writing sevens on dates. Now I gotta st- like it's gonna be another six months before I get used to writing the eight. Uh, but it's, it's a new beginning, it's a new year. Uh, and I thought what better time than to uh, take a moment and look back on the first beginning. Now Genesis 1 has sparked uh, lots of debate and arguments around uh, its meaning, it's um, what, it, what it shows us about God. And so today I want to have a, a quick look at that and explore, um, yeah, explore some ideas and themes. Before I do that, before we get too far into it, why don't we pray? Uh, Father, Lord, and Creator, thank you for 2017, for all that it has been. I pray that you'll be with us today and throughout 2018. Uh, help us to bring you glory in all that we do. And please... Uh, Bless me with your spirit as I speak. Amen. So, uh, Genesis 1, the two common uh, views on the passage are, firstly, that some theologians and some Christians believe that the earth was created in six literal days, six 24-hour periods, uh, exactly as it says in Genesis 1. Others uh, and scientists believe that the earth is, uh, is more like you know, four and a half billion years old. Uh, And these are two uh, opposing views that many people have. Uh, And I think, uh, uh, sorry, I think if you would take, to take Genesis 1 literally, uh, as, like I said, some theologians have done, if you use the family trees and the ages that are found in the Old Testament, you come up with that figure. Um, But the thing is, the Bible doesn't actually specify the age of the earth. Nowhere in Genesis, nowhere in any other book of the Bible does it say the earth is X number of years old. And for that reason, I don't think that the age of the universe is a salvation issue. I think you can believe comfortably in a 6,000-year-old earth or a 4.5-billion-year-old earth or any number in between and still be in a relationship with Jesus. Today, I want to outline for us why I don't subscribe to the six-day literal creation And I want to have a look at what I think Genesis 1 is actually trying to show us. If you disagree with my point of view, that's cool. I don't think you're not a Christian. I don't think you're stupid. Uh, I just want to explore two different views. So let's have a look at what's going on right at the start of the Bible. Firstly, I think we need to look at the structure of the Bible Uh, As well as being broken up into different books and chapters and verses, the Bible also includes a number of different genres throughout uh, those books. So just like movies and songs, TV shows, video games, uh, the Bible has lots of different genres. So these include uh, stories, the narratives, the historical events, as we see in the gospel, the story of Jesus. 
We also see letters written by early Christians to other early Christians, and you see that uh, in the book of John, which we based our last series on. And Sorry, in the book of in the, the first one, John. Uh, and uh, there's also poetry in the Bible, and you can see that most clearly in the books of Psalms and the book of Song of Songs. So when you hear a song, you kind of know it's a song, right? It has a rhythm and it probably repeats. You know, If you think about the song we just sang, I don't know how many times we said good news, but it, it just repeats and repeats and repeats. It's got a very obvious structure to it. Uh, and if you look at Genesis 1, I think you can see a similar flow, a similar pattern. The, uh, God said, it was so, it was good the first day. God said, it was so, it was good the second day. There's a flow and a pattern to the structure of Genesis 1. Similarly, uh, to read Genesis 1 as a literal text, uh, if you actually have a look just one chapter further, Genesis 2 actually tells us the same story. The Bible repeats itself Uh, but gives greater detail in regards to the creation of the living things, in particular, the first humans, Adam and Eve. And this isn't the only time that the Bible repeats itself. We see it happen again in Exodus. Uh, It's a fantastic story of Moses leading the Jewish nation out of slavery in Egypt. It's one of the most uh, iconic visual images of the Bible, with Moses parting the Red Sea with his staff. Uh, The waters separate and they can cross. So this happens as a narrative in Exodus chapter 14, and then in Exodus chapter 15, it's repeated, but as a song. And this happens again in Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5, uh, and I'll let you go and read that one for yourself. So it's, it's set up throughout the Bible that, yeah, repeating things can be told as narrative and as song. So I want to state this as clearly as I can. Christians, you have permission to believe that the earth is older than 6,000 years old. Likewise, you have permission to believe that it is 6,000 years old. It's okay to believe that dinosaurs existed, even though there's no mention of them in Genesis or anywhere in the, Old Test- in the Bible at all. Uh, and because of that, it's definitely okay to love Jurassic Park. You see, I don't think the purpose of Genesis is to lay out the specific details of why, uh, sorry, of how the earth was created, but rather why the earth was created. So, why? Well, the Bible as a whole is set up to reveal God's character to us as humans. It's there to help us to get to know our creator better. Now, When I get to know someone for the first time, and I might have this conversation with you at morning tea after the service, I might ask you questions like, what do you do for a living? Or what are some of your hobbies? But really getting to know someone is more about getting to know their character, their motivations, uh, than it is about knowing what they do or how they do it. So why did God create then? Some people say that it was about relationships, that God wanted a people to love and to be loved by. And I think that's a reasonable point of view. But before creation, before Genesis, God was already in a perfect relationship 
with himself. Our God is one God as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. Now, I'm not going to unpack the concept of a trinity because we simply don't have time, uh, but if, you, if you're new to this concept, um, I'd encourage you to look into our sermon series from Sunday at 6 throughout December, Jesus and the Spirit. Kirk gave a really uh, solid talk on the Trinity. So if God was already in a perfectly content relationship as three persons in the one God, where they loved each other, served one another, and submitted to one another, God didn't need humans to, be, to have a relationship. So why did God create? Well, there was this old school preacher who I think nailed it pretty well. His name is Jonathan Edwards. In the 1700s, he said that what God aimed for in all creation was the communication of himself through all eternity. The Bible sets up pretty clearly that God is love, that God is the source of all goodness. So for him to communicate himself through all eternity is for him to communicate love and goodness. I think that's a pretty fantastic reason to create. Throughout the Bible, as I've said, God reveals his nature and his character to us. And ultimately, this happens in the person of Jesus. We see among his many characteristics that he is loving, he is wise, He's forgiving, he is just, he's, some big words, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, which just mean all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. And he also shows us that he is a jealous God, and that he is to be feared. Right from the very first chapter of the Bible, though, the very first line of the Bible, God shows us his creativity. The very first act of God we read in Genesis is that God created. God creates in beautiful, powerful, and poetic ways. He designed, formed, and molded the heavens and the earth, the creatures and the plants, and finally... Us, humanity. And throughout all this creation, he took joy in creating, knowing that what he was creating was good. We see God's creativity in lots of ways. We see it through his creation. Life itself was nothing before God breathed it into being. We can see it in the everyday comings and goings of our world, and we can also see God's creativity through his son, Jesus. As the adopted son of a carpenter, Jesus, from the age of 12, would have been taught the family trade by Joseph, carpentry. Now, first century carpenters would have been called upon to mend things, to assist in building projects, and they may also have been asked to create things like chests and doors, uh, anything made of wood, really. Uh, but they would create these intricate artistic designs with their tools. And by the time Jesus began his public ministry, he would have had nearly 20 years' experience as a carpenter. 
And you see this when Jesus returns to his hometown after beginning his public ministry. He is recognized as the carpenter. He is known for his work. I suspect because it was such high quality and beautiful, uh, his work was as close, well, probably would have been perfection, wouldn't it? Now, back in Genesis, when God created, he created us, and he created us in his image. God created within us the potential to reflect all the elements of his character. And he calls upon us to act as he does in all situations of our lives. He says that we need to love as, we, as he have, has loved us. He calls us to seek wisdom, to act justly, and to forgive as we have been forgiven. So you may have already joined the dots here, but let me spell it out for you. We're also called to imitate his creative nature. Ingrained in each one of us is that same nature. Just as we can show elements of God's wisdom, his grace, his kindness, we can also show his creativity. God sends his spirit down to us, freely given. And when he does this, the spirit fills us to reflect more of God's character. The spirit can fill us with grace, with wisdom, with understanding. And the spirit can also fill us with creativity. Back in Exodus, there was a a man named Bezalel, and he was chosen to construct the tabernacle. That was the place where God would uh, reside in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 35, it says that the Spirit of God filled Bezalel with wisdom and understanding and skills to make artistic designs. For the longest time, I thought creativity was... You know, being a creative person, drawing, painting, not being very organized. I just wouldn't have counted myself as a creative person. Uh, My wife, Lenny, now she's the creative one in our house. She paints, she sketches, she's got these big baggy hippie pants that she wears. But you know what? I'm made in the image of a creative God, and I've been called to replicate his character in my life, all of his character including his creativity. Now, this doesn't mean for a second I'm going to start wearing the big baggy hippie pants, regardless how comfortable they look. But it does mean that I'm going to approach my life and my work in creative ways. I'll aim to look at the world differently. While the infinite God creates from nothing, as we see in Genesis, I can create from what he has created. I still can't paint or draw, but I can look for solutions from outside the box. What I'm saying is don't count yourself out as a creative person because God gets so much joy from seeing you create the same way that he gets joy when we imitate him in any way. So think about your own lives and opportunities you might have taken to be creative and think about that creatively because You may have taken opportunities you weren't even aware of. Remember that time you rearranged your furniture in your living room to use the space differently? That's creative. Remember that time you used a new tactic in your sports team? That's creative. 
Remember when you came up with that idea to solve a budgeting issue at work? Yeah, that's creative too. Remember that time you had a baby? Yeah, that's creative. <laughs> I heard this story the other day, and I, I think it fits well um, with, with the way God responds to our creativity. If you imagine a wonderful pianist who practices in his home every day on a beautiful grand piano, he, uh, for Christmas last week, gave his young daughter her very first mini piano. She sits down to it, has the keys all lined up in front of it, and just bashes away. There's no rhyme, there's no rhythm, she's just hitting the keys. But she's hysterical. She is taking joy because she is imitating her father who she loves. She sees him practice and she sees him play beautiful music, create beautiful songs, and she is now replicating that in her own way. Similarly, the father watches his young daughter imitating him. He is overcome with joy as well because she is imitating him. In the same way, God's joy is made complete when we imitate our father. Regardless of how out of tune we might be or how little rhythm we might have, the fact that we are striving to be imitators of him is more than enough. So if you don't think you're a creative person, I want to challenge you to broaden your understanding of what it means to be creative. You're made in the image of a creative God, after all. And if you do count yourself as a creator, as a creative person, are you creating to the glory of God? Are you using your God-given gifts and talents in joyful ways, bringing joy to the creator himself? And most importantly, are you creating in ways that point to the creator and not point to yourself? In 2018, I want to challenge all of us to look for ways to imitate the full nature of God, including his creative nature, and to bring him glory through our creations. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.